Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk about the latest happenings in pop culture to help make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. This week, we'll be discussing the new Chris Watts documentary on Netflix, David Dobrik launching his first perfume line, Bethany Frankel dragging Kylie Jenner, and our thoughts on the criticism sparked by Chrissy Teigen's miscarriage announcement. Let's discuss... I'm a little torn coming into this episode because I honestly think I need to reintroduce myself, uh, just seeing as I have not only a brand new microphone, a brand new windsock, but I'm also surviving on my old laptop that crashed last week. I did not know that. I didn't yes. know you didn't new. Oh my God, Emily, what if it crashes? I know. That's why I'm, I'm putting that out there now because it very well might crash. However, I think I have a solution in place where if I have it charging and it's, it's above like 70% battery and it's charging, it will survive. It hasn't crashed thus far. If it crashes, I'm just, I'm literally just going to upload the po- the podcast as is. <laughs> it'll be like and, 45 and it'll be seconds. And the listeners will just have to find out. They'll just have to keep listening to find out the state of <laughs> what happens. Okay, but here's the exciting part. And I was talking to my mom about this. I think I'm going to get a new laptop when I come to Portland next weekend. Because no sales and tax. Emily just broke that news to me before this episode, which might mean we have an in-person meeting in store. But then we were trying to figure out where to go. And, you know, the options are very limited. So if anybody does happen to have a studio in Portland or if anybody, you know, potentially has a sugar daddy, we're not going to judge you. But if you could just DM us, we might need to borrow him for a weekend. Yeah, just hit us up. Not for him, but his alleged studio. Yeah, or money to purchase a studio for a day. Rent a studio. <laughs> <laughs> just for a day. <laughs> okay, well, Emily, we need to dive straight into the question of the day because there are lots of stories on the agenda. None yes. of them super hot tea, but I'm excited to get into them nonetheless. Yes. Um, but the question of the day, which we're going to be answering for each other since we um, did live together and we were strangers when we first met, is what is the first thing you noticed about me? So Emily's going to say what the first thing she noticed about me was, and I will do the same. And then I feel like we should answer what we think everybody else typically thinks. Oh, okay. Thing. Yeah, like strangers. Oh, okay, okay, that's tea, because I, I, I would love to hear what you th- think, and I definitely feel like I have some thoughts. Yeah, like, there'll, well. be diff- there'll be different answers. Okay, the first thing I noticed about should we, you... Should we do ourselves first? I, I <laughs> sure, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think the first thing that other people notice about you is? That is the weirdest question I've ever asked. Like, well, I don't know dog. if it's like, okay, and I'm going to not go off of physical. I'm going to think more regarding like first impression vibes or okay. like just what people's general perception of me is, which I think could be like wrong. But I do think that people think that I am super like, uh, has a stick on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I, I think I just come off as like really by the book like really straight edge lacking personality Audrey. Um, and I, no and I'm not trying to be rude like to myself I just really do and I think that I I end up surprising people mm-hmm. when they get to know me and stuff like I'm not I'm not shitting on myself I just think it's facts especially when I was in college because I like didn't particularly enjoy 
like going out and partying, but I tried, I did my best, you know, but, and like being in like, I don't know, like I always got put into like authoritative positions, like at the sorority and I don't know. So I just feel like people think that I'm like really kind of like harsh a little bit. I think I give off harsh vibes, which I'm working on. Okay. Um, Hopefully the audience doesn't think that I give up harsh vibes. No. But, like, just know that if I do, like, I'm self-aware about it and I'm trying my best, okay? <laughs> okay, so mine... Okay, what about you? Mine is a lot more simple than that and it is more physical. I think it's just my height. I'm so tall. Oh, okay. Can I just know, like, I, because I really kind of want to talk... I want to know more about what our first impressions are of each other, honestly. Yeah. So, like, what, what do you think people's first impression of you is? I think people look at me and think, oh my God, she's got a lot of energy. Like when I would give the tours of 30 Rock, I came across a Snapchat member the other day where someone, a a man on my tour, a complete stranger asked me, man, do you drink coffee? Because if you do, you need to stop. You're acting like you're jacked up on seven Mountain Dews. That is a direct (laughs) quote. And yeah, I think I just like bring a lot when I, you know, walk into a room, even if I'm around strangers, if I know one person there, I'm going to be, I have a very loud voice, which I can't help. So I think a lot of people are just like, damn, she, she's got to take it down a notch. I think that's. Well, let me just say, let me just interject you because that was my exact (laughs) (laughs) impression of you when we first met. Um, I'll never forget. Like, and, and. And I'm, we had texted for a while. And so I like, I knew you were cool, you know, like I didn't, I didn't have bad vibes and it, and I didn't have bad vibes when you, when we first met, but I remember I was like setting up my room. We had all just moved in. And I was um, standing Emily, in the door frame. Yes. And yeah. Emily came to the door and stood in the door frame and she was just making conversation like no one I've ever seen. Like I've never seen somebody make such good conversation and I remember being a little bit overwhelmed, like I for sure was, but yeah. also there was a part of me that was thinking, I'm glad that she's like this because I would rather have an overly talkative roommate than one who just doesn't want to talk to me at all, you know? And that's how we became friends, was you like True. talking my ear off. And then and then finally I opened up, you know, and then we got really close, but definitely aligned. yeah I I remember just talking to you forever and I I'm really bad at picking up on when people aren't interested in having conversation because I remember at that time I was like wow like we are really cracking on like look at us go but um it did uh yeah then you told me later that it was a little much so I do apologize for that I'm I'm grateful for that for you for us I remember so my first impression the first thing I noticed about you what this is going to sound cheesy but it was your style because you looked really good like you're always just very put together even when you're in sweats like you look put together like you can just tell that you i don't know you just make the extra effort i'm a try hard what that i'm a try hard like a little bit no No, you just have a reputation, you know, to keep up. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think you also had, I was always jealous of, um, I'm going to butcher this. You obviously, we both had a closet, but then you also had like a wardrobe out at the foot of your bed or a, a clothing rack. What do you call that? Yeah, like a rack. Like, like a, a coat rack. rack. For my yeah, a coat rack. Yeah, and you had the cutest sweaters hanging on there and like the cutest coats. And you also had some shoes on the bottom, like some cute ass booties and I just remember being so impressed by that and I was like damn she's she's Vogue 
that was back in the day when I was working at Nordstrom. So I had to be much more put together to be fair to myself because I actually don't feel like my style is on par and I'm actually feeling, especially in quarantine, like quite chungus. Like I just don't feel. <laughs> what? I don't know. Don't worry. Wait, about it, what? Just, I can't focus on that for too long because I'm, I'm going to miss my point. But my point is, I feel like Nadia said that to me too, that she thinks I'm like super stylish, but I just feel like Nordstrom made that a thing because I feel like I tried so much harder and I had a lot more inspo when I was working around clothes all the time. Fair. And when I had to be able to like style customers and like get them to buy stuff, that then I would like focus more on looking good. Cause if you don't look good, you're not going to make sales because nobody is going to want to talk to you if you can't put together an outfit. And like, mm-hmm. I was working with like 50 year old white rich ladies who wanted top-notch quality performance from their salespeople. So that's what I did. <laughs> you know what I think we should do? I think those- Move on to the next topic. Also that, but before that, <laughs> instead of where we would put a sponsor if we had one, I think we should post on our Instagram story after this episode is out and ask people, like put a little chat box and ask people what their first impressions of us were. Ooh, okay. Yeah, and see if they match that's up. Good. I'll post but we should also move on that. to the first topic. <laughs> Let's do that, shall we? All right, everybody. We are going to kick it off talking about the Chris Watts documentary. So last week, Netflix released a new documentary called American Murder, The Family Next Door, which chronicles a man named Chris Watts who murdered his pregnant wife and two children for reasons that are still unclear to this day. So Audrey texted me last week saying, are you busy? Watch this immediately. This is your homework. I need you to watch it in the next like 24, 48 hours. I watched it that night with my cousin and her boyfriend, and we were shook to the core. I had not heard about this case before. Had you before the documentary? I had because, like, I got a, like, it was probably, because this happened in 2018. Mm -hmm. I got a recommended video on my YouTube that was this really hour, is my sound okay? Yeah. Okay. What were you making that face for? I was making, uh, that, that, you got a recommended video for it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Emily was, like, grimacing. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I don't know. It might well, be... like, I'm what YouTube videos are you watching? I know. That makes me look sus, huh? I, I mean, I think I was... I definitely went through a true crime phase. I'm kind of over it now. But it was probably because of that. Or, I don't know. Some of those things are really interesting. But anyways, it was this hour and a half long documentary that was all focused on... Oh, God. Ew. What? So I have, okay, I'm going to divert really quick, but I have, like, the Netflix previews, like, slideshow happening, and there's a show called Social Distance coming out. I'm like, can oh. we not? I, the way you were looking above your camera made it look like there was a spider on the wall. We're having a lot of um, <laughs> situations. Anyway, long story short, Chris Watts, Watts watched this documentary it was all about like the body language that he exhibited that was all filmed from the police body cam and how um, there was like a person who was kind of sussing out every single little thing and talking about how certain body language was a clue for this and that and blah, blah, blah. Obviously it's all hindsight stuff, but I thought it was super, really interesting. Super, really interesting. Uh, <laughs> and then I, that was the first I'd heard about it. And then I kind of like fell down a rabbit hole and watched like all of it. I watched that entire footage from his questioning with the lie detector lady. I watched like clips from his court sentencing situation. And 
I just could not get over the story, but I was interested to watch this because I was like, there was a lot that we didn't, that a lot of unanswered questions, which mm-hmm. honestly are still unanswered after having watched it. But like, really, it's just why and like how anybody can come to the, it's not funny, the decision to making a life or death. Oh my God. Like, so we have a couple talking points because I want to make sure we hit all of them efficiently. So first, let's just talk about their relationship, um, their revealing of the text between wife and Chris, because I would love your thoughts on that, Emily. Also, his wife being involved in an MLM. They never explicitly stated that, but I feel like that's- It was Thrive. It was Thrive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they didn't say, you know, that because that kind of indicates, I was like, why is she this like social media mogul? Yes. And that, that is why, 100% mm-hmm. why she was documenting her life as, like, a mommy worker boss. But that, that also made it so eerie because during the entire documentary, they were showing videos of her and the kids and Chris from, like, a week before she died. Yeah. Like, these no, weren't, like, these were not old home videos. They were super, super current. Like, one week, two weeks yeah. before she died, which made it so creepy. Like, there's a video of them, of the kids running and greeting their dad at the airport and hugging him, and that just, oh, it freaked so, me out so much because so it was two weeks before. I'm also, okay, are we not surprised? I'm in some Facebook groups that talk about true crime. And once this came out, there were some discussions about Chris Watts, and so a lot of the things I'm about to say aren't are definitely out of context they sound a little bit presumptuous but i'm getting some of my intel from discussions that are happening online and a lot of people um you know how in the documentary they said that they're they talked about how people had facebook groups talking down every single detail and like deciding this and that and so a lot of people in the current groups that i'm in um and in the discussions i was witnessing were people saying that the documentary missed or left out a really key aspect of their relationship, which was A, the fact that she was in an MLM, and it I guess it put them in a lot of debt, allegedly, according to all these <clears throat> discussions. And on top of that, so them being in debt probably made Chris, like, seeing this new life and seeking out this new woman all the more enticing because there were all these things that he wanted to leave behind. He couldn't like afford, they couldn't afford to keep, like, keep up with their kids, all that kind of stuff. I wanted to ask what you thought about the text messages because there were a lot of texts about their sex life and her being super detailed about him not wanting to have sex with her. And it just, uh, here, tell me your thoughts and then I'll tell you mine. Okay. So yeah, there were a lot of text messages that were between her and one of her friends because basically she went to go visit family with the kids and was away from him for, was it five weeks? Five weeks? weeks. Yeah. So they were apart for five weeks and apparently a lot of the text messages would just be her saying, you know, you haven't texted us, you haven't called us, you haven't FaceTimed your daughters, blah, blah, blah. And also at the same time, he was getting really into fitness all of a sudden and working out all the time. So a lot of his texts back would just be like, sorry, working out or like at the gym, blah, blah, blah. And she would tell her friend when he came and visited them and like met up with them, he apparently, I think, kissed her once and that was it. Like wouldn't touch her, like wouldn't be physical with her. And she was expressing a lot of frustration about that. And it was just so obvious. And she knew, she was saying it to her friend, she knew that he was having an affair because he wouldn't be intimate with her. 
he wasn't giving her straight answers. He wasn't touching her. He wasn't calling her, texting her. And she, it, she told her friend, like, I've, I've asked him several times. I've confronted him. And he says, no, no, no. And I'm just like, men are so stupid. The way that he thinks he can just switch his behavior like that and have her not be suspicious whatsoever. And he never admitted it to her. He never admitted it to her. He he says he did. He says mm-hmm. that the night he killed her, that he told her there was another woman. But I actually, I don't have any doubt that he did not tell her and that he just like, oh, it's just disgusting. But what I specifically was wondering about was the sharing of the text messages. Like, do you feel like that was accurate or necessary in order for you to understand the story? Because I didn't, I thought that it sucks. I understand that it, it, I think it maybe had to take play in order for them to make the case for reasons why people might believe that Shanann actually had killed her kids. So that, cause you can see, oh, she was like nagging him and she was all up in his business and she was so focused on this MLM. She wasn't even thinking about her family, blah, blah. I mean, I'm not here for the victim blaming. I, I really don't give a fuck. Like, I don't really actually care much about the backstory because there's no amount of anything you could do to warrant (laughs) being fucking murdered in cold blood. So it just, to me, like, I think the most interesting part of the entire case was all of that body cam footage from the moment he shows up at his doorstep with the cop there all the way. And when they're, you know, when he's putting on this whole show of, I just want my kids to come home and, Oh, the kids blankies are gone. Like where are the blankies? And then the neighbor being a fucking savage. Okay. So if you guys, Oh, if you have not seen this, I mean, so if you're listening to this and you're like, what the hell is going on? uh, Quick story of what we're talking about here. Basically, the cop and Chris go over to a neighbor's house because the neighbor says that he has a camera on, like the alleyway or the street, wherever Chris's pickup usually is. And it shows the pickup pulling into the house in the wee hours of the morning. And so they're just in there discussing and the neighbor, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I'm weird. Must be, you know, uh, didn't, you know, nothing, nothing unusual. Cause I was going to work and blah, blah, blah. And Chris is definitely super talkative. The second that Chris leaves the house, the neighbor and the cop kind of retreat back into the house. And the neighbor immediately is like, something's going on. Like he's acting weird. He oh, never talks that much. And it was goosebumps everywhere. Oh. He may have single-handedly solved the case. He did. I want, I want to know what his reaction was after the news came out because he must have known. You could tell he had that gut feeling and seeing how Chris was acting. He had this for the full-on heebie-jeebies for sure. And that's spooky because he probably was trying to tell himself like, oh my God, there's no way this is true. Oh, but I did want to kind of recap my final thoughts about those texts, which is just that I... I hate that they showed them. I feel like it was just inappropriate. And I feel like it sucks for Shanann because I'd never seen those before. And maybe they were just trying to come up with a new storyline, like something we haven't seen before. But it just felt, I don't know, it felt forced to me and I didn't like it. I So I agree with that. I think it could have been fine without the text. However, I think it, what the text did for me was really just show how committed she was to staying with him. And that was sort of why I thought the purpose of the text or what the purpose of the text was, because in no text message did she ever say, you know, I think I need to leave him or I think I need to divorce him. And even in her her letter to him that it showed, you know, she said, we're going to stick through this, we're going to get through this. And so I almost think it served the purpose of showing 
how much she was showing Chris that, no, we're going to get through this together. We're going to work it out. You know, she wasn't going to leave anytime soon, which I I think is what he wanted. So I think he just felt, I mean, again, I'm not justifying this whatsoever, but I think it was just showing how trapped he felt because she was not leaving or giving up anytime soon, even though she knew he was having an affair and treating her like crap. She was not going to divorce him. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That makes sense. I mean, it did set the stage in some ways. I think they could have set the stage in other ways. Like, I agree. I don't know. But I know we could talk about this forever, but I just want to kind of get to the nitty gritty, like the actual confession and the actual murder. It was just horrifying. Like this, I, I'm, I don't actually want to give anything away if you haven't listened yet um, or watched. I, I mean, if you're a fan of true crime, then I think you would not enjoy... I, we gotta talk about true crime. Like, there's there must be a reason why we like that, right? Isn't that kind of fucked? I don't know. No, like, well, I like it too. So no shade to all the true crime lovers. I just well, no, but it is concerning. And even with all the Ted Bundy documentaries and movies that came out within a year, like it's it's so creepy and weird how obsessed we are with it. I don't know why. Honestly, there's got to be a study somewhere. But I am also a big true crime fan. I would I would listen to my favorite murder every day at work two years ago and then people would come up and like ask me a question and tap me on the shoulder and I would freak out and like jump back like what so I've kind of oh sorry no go ahead finish your thought no I literally had no thought to finish you didn't have a thought okay um what I was gonna say was that I'm sure that there's like a scientific reason why people enjoy it I bet that we could figure that out and keep our listeners informed but I also think there's a level of education that takes place when you're listening to these things there is a level of fascination with it it's it's spooky but I mean at least we can all be agree that it's normal it's normal it's definitely (laughs) normal and I always liked hearing true crime podcasts or TV shows or documentaries where people escape because I also like learning okay if I'm ever abducted into a van like what did this woman do to get out of there like I like hearing the escape and survival stories that's so true holy shit there's this one episode I want to talk to you about to hear if you've ever heard of it um the the MFM episode holy it's the best I'm gonna find it and then I'll tell you later okay we could literally it's the arms what the arms her arms get chopped off (gasps) oh Oh my god, it is the best, my favorite murder episode. I'll find it for you and I'll say she lives. So it's cool. It's a great story. It's like a survival story. It's amazing. And the murderer gets caught. It's fabulous. Oh my god. Okay, I'll listen to it right after this. Okay, okay. Well, speaking of sociopaths, <laughs> David Dobrik is adding an unexpected new title to his resume. <laughs> Uh, our our transitions from story to story could not be worse but that's also what I love about this podcast what was bad about that transition it just the way like I just want to tell our listeners that we do have an outline that we work off of just talking about what stories we want to talk about we don't ever write a script of what we're going to say so this trend the the way that we transition transition was completely organic yeah it's just fascinating what you come up with I know I'm incredibly well-versed and hilarious. David Dobrik is adding an unexpected new title to his resume. Perfume. Perfumer. Perfume. I almost feel like it should be Perfume because it seems French. The YouTuber announced the launch of his fragrance brand, David's Perfume. <laughs> Amazing. It reminds me of David's Bridal. 
with Flower Shop Perfumes Co. on Tuesday. Two scents, David's Perfume 1 and David's Perfume 2, will be released on October 2nd. In keeping with the perfume slogan, elegant yet unexpected, Dobrik24 tells people a mysterious, nice-smelling stranger inspired the brand. I met somebody that had this certain smell in them that I just fell completely in love with, he says. I was just obsessed with the smell. It wasn't cliche like Axe Body Spray or Old Spice. It was this very fresh scent. He continues to say, I honestly thought I discovered a new smell. I got so excited about it and thought I want to be able to bring this kind of understated nice smell to my audience like a younger crowd. For the launch, he also released a steamy promo video featuring himself and model Charlotte D'Alessio, which is a whole other aspect of the conversation. First and foremost, David, what? Okay, here's my thing. When I watched the perfume ad, I know a lot of people actually really liked it. Objectively, I did like it as well. I thought it was, it's fine. Like, it was very well done. It was very steamy. It was very romantic. But here's my thing with perfume in general. Why do we have to put so much effort in? It's not a clothing line where you have to show how it's styled. Like, I just think it's so dramatic how they advertise it between commercials and even just how the people behind it describe it. Like, oh, yes, I met a nice smelling stranger once and I just was so inspired. Like, no, you just want to make some more money and you're going to make a shit ton of it. And I just, you know, with perfume, it's like, if you like the smell, you're going to buy it. So go out and smell it. It's just, I don't understand why we have to put so much effort into like, oh, it's elegant yet unexpected. Like just literally go smell it. And if you like it, then purchase it. If you don't, then don't. I I mean, perfume advertising is definitely a complex beast. But I just, before we get into the perfume of it all, first of all, what are your thoughts on David Dobrik as a whole? Because we have not really talked about him yet on the wrong side. Yeah, I am not obsessed with him. However, you know, like his, I was getting pretty sick of him with all the Tesla giveaway Instagram stories that I saw this last week. If anybody listening posted one, spoiler alert, you're not getting it. Okay. You're not going to win a Tesla. If you do give us a ride, but you're not going to, maybe we could use that as a studio. I just, I don't know. I mean, I appreciate that he does give back to people with his giveaways and he does seem very in tune with his audience which I like you know whether it be commenting on people's TikToks that feature him or talk about him or I just think he has a good consistent presence on social media which I respect him for and I've never seen him get into a ton of trouble or nearly as many scandals as I see a lot of a lot of other YouTubers getting into and I feel like he has at least from my eyes stayed the same from when he like first blew up to now, obviously he's changed with, you know, partnerships and Teslas and whatnot, but I think his brand is still the same, which I appreciate. So, but I'm not like, I'm just not a YouTuber. So I don't feel, I'm not obsessed with him in any way. I just, he doesn't seem troublesome to me, but I think you might feel differently. I mean, I just, the more and more time that goes by, the more I take issue with almost every YouTuber that exists because it's just, I think what happens is like, I, the, the, what irks me about YouTubers, and we've talked about YouTubers before, but in, in the context of this story, they're just like guided by capitalism, but also like I can't be mad at them because they, their income Less David Dobrik because he's past the point of being a YouTuber. Like, he hasn't even posted a video in however long. 
they are working underneath a platform that changes constantly, the platform being YouTube, and they feel like they're constantly having to fight for spots on the top 10, like trying to adjust their content for the algorithm. And that is what I think gives them all this like capitalistic mindset where, is that a word? Capitalist mindset? Hell yeah. So think about Emma Chamberlain. She just launched a coffee brand. Now David Dobrik has a perfume brand. All of the makeup beauty gurus have a beauty brand. And it's coming from a place of like, I think that they want to be able to have an income that they know will last, but then it just comes off like super grady and muddy hungry. And I don't know, like I, I'm also spooked by people like David Dobrik specifically, him and Casey Neistat both, whose content both I watch and enjoy, but I fear them in life because I think they are a little bit sociopathic. Like they are friends with millions of other YouTubers, thousands, hundreds, whatever, of other YouTubers and their job is to be likable. And that's just like impossible, like having that many friends. So I'm, I'm gonna not, I'm gonna stop myself before I go on a tangent, but something just irks me deeply to my core about David Dobrik, but I still like his content. When I saw that perfume video, something boiled over inside of me and I was in a fit of rage. And the reason for that, that I understand now that I didn't understand then, because I was like, why? And the first pigments of anger that I felt were him, it's him frolicking through the meadows and dancing around and flirting with this girl, which he's never really shown that side of him on YouTube um, or anywhere. And so I was like, I almost felt like I was getting cheated on. I was like, I'm sorry, who is this bitch? Like, who the fuck is she? Like, where did she come from? And then she posted on Instagram, can't wait to show our kids this one day. And I just got extremely annoyed because we don't even know if they're dating, which brings me to my second point about David Dobrik, which is that I think that he uses every single female relationship in his life to get people to speculate about whether they're dating or not. And then people are talking about him because that's how he makes money. So I digress, but Charlotte D'Alessio, you can kiss my ass, honestly. Like I just, I hate her. (laughs) I stalked her. I was, I was trying to figure out who she was and it was like, oh, she's a Canadian model and she moved to LA. It said in this article that she was quote discovered at Coachella. And I said, same. I said, congratulations, I, congratulations. I'm, being I'm, happy rich. For you. I'm happy for you. And apparently she was in a Marc Jacobs ad not that long ago for the Daisy perfume. So maybe she's just good at perfume ads. I don't know. But she's, just, she's good at looking like she smells good is what I'm hearing from this. Yeah, she does. She does look like she smells good. And I think just the whole video. Yeah, everybody's just obsessed with who David Dobrik is dating. And everybody was commenting being like, he looks so natural here, you guys. Somebody said something along the lines of, neither of them are actors. And so I really think this is real. And I was like, really? Like, oh my God. I don't know. I also just saw a comment that had a ton of likes and it just said, sex sells. And I was like, yeah, that's literally it. That's just it. It's like every ad for anything, it just has to have some hot people with minimal clothing kind of like all over each but, other. Like, and Gilbert isn't hot. Like when did he's he not. become the sex icon? Yeah, um, it's gross. It's millennials. It's disgusting. How tall is David Dobrik? Because he looks like he's 5'5". Five five. That's all that you need to know. You don't even need to know how tall he is because he looks 5'5". Five five. Oh my god, it says he's 5'9". Well, there you go. I mean... I don't buy it. I think he paid Google to update that. <laughs> gave him a test. Okay. That's that on that. Now, speaking of the 
ungodly people rich. People that smell good. <laughs> Speaking of people that smell good. Bethany Frankel drags Kylie Jenner for letting Stormy flaunt a $12,000 Hermes bag. And I just have to be honest. Like, listen, I could not talk about this and just pretend like I'm a designer bitch. But I do have to say that I literally didn't know how to pronounce that until today. The only reason that I know how to pronounce that is because of all of the filthy rich YouTubers who do their, like, luxury hauls. I literally was like... Because of Kylie Jenner. I was like, is it Herms? And it's Hermes. Do you even speak the language? Hermes. (laughs) Yeah, so I was... uh, I just have to be transparent about that. That, uh... That... Just that word called me poor. Not even the story, just a word that I didn't know how to pronounce until today. But... This is a pretty iconic story. So according to page six, Bethany Frankel is dragging Kylie Jenner for giving her daughter Stormy a $12,000 Hermes backpack for her back to school look. I never say anything about this stuff, but this is the most transparent, humble brag I've seen yet. Frankel commented on Us Weekly's Instagram post about the two-year-old's bag on Thursday. The former Real Housewives of New York star added, it's everything wrong with everything, which is iconic. I want to talk about that later. Others seem to agree with Frankel as her comment earned nearly 3,000 likes. She later tweeted, I commented on Us Weekly on a 12K backpack on Kylie Jenner's daughter. I'm no stranger to an Hermes Paris bag, humble flex, and have a daughter and luxury cars, but flaunting under the guise of a back-to-school post during a pandemic and the greatest unemployment crisis in our lifetime is a choice. I knew I made the right choice when I chose to stand Bethany Frankel. Because I 100% agree. Oh, 100% same. I mean, Kylie was already kind of under fire for just posting that she was chilling in Paris and traveling around and everybody was commenting saying, I'm sorry, ma'am, why? Did you forget what year it was? Did you forget the global pandemic that we're in? And so for her to do this is just, she's just twisting the knife more and more. Here's what I have to say. I do have to comment, you know, because Emily, you and I have both had some fair criticisms of the PR professionals or lack thereof in the celebrity community. Yes. The Kardashian-Jenner clan's PR professionals are truly second to none. They are incredible. And let me tell you why. Because they know what they know the precise line like I don't know if they have a handbook or if they are just the most intuitive people on the planet but they know exactly the line to draw when something is newsworthy enough where they need to comment or where you can decline to comment and it'll get be forgotten in five days and that strategy has taken the Kardashian-Jenner clan into a stratosphere of fame and celebrity that we will never know. And it is truly a feat. And I hate it, but it's also quite impressive. Kylie didn't have to say shit. And we can all agree. Like, even I feel myself, like, I feel like I've gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, literally fuck the Kardashians and fuck the Jenners. But on the same hand, I cannot stop talking about them. I cannot stop looking at their stories. I want to buy all of their products, specifically Skims. Um, I'm holding back because I'm trying to not shop this month, but it's been really hard for me. The waffle edition is everything. (laughs) Iconic. They are, they are, they're not human anymore. And like, they, they're not even open to criticism because 
you know, if Kylie were to respond to every single piece of criticism she got, she would never stop responding to criticism. It would never. <laughs> so I understand. Never. I understand the strategy, but I, I mean, wow, just hats off. Compliments to the chef, I have to You'll say. You love to hate him. You love to hate him. I have to say, though, Bethany Frankel, I mean, it, truly what an icon. But the way that she handled this was also incredibly perfect. Because it's not like she was shit-talking Kylie or calling her a bad human being or trying to throw some dig in at her. Just the way that she worded everything, calling it, it's a choice. And it's this quote, it's everything wrong with everything. I, I feel like that should be our tagline, but now we can't use it because she's used it. But it's perfect. Just the way that she handled the whole situation. Yeah, and, I, I'm, and I, I'm team Bethany all the way. Like, Kylie is on the wrong side. She is not able to be subject to any criticism because she's not going to respond, so it's not worth anyone's time. But um, Bethany's 100% in the right. I, I urge all of our listeners to go watch Kylie, one of Kylie's most recent YouTube videos. It's her what's in my bag, like, video. And she's standing in front of her closet with, I'm sure there's, you can probably count at least 15 Birkin bags. And those aren't even the ones that are probably vaulted away for if they get fucking robbed or whatever. And her fabulous closet and everything she pulls out of her current Birkin bag that she's using that hour is products that she sells. And it's just, she's not, it must be so fascinating to be in the same room as her because it's truly probably like being with an alien. No power to her, but she's She already has it all. We can't (laughs) get it Because she already has it all. Exactly. And I have none and she has it all, so... But Bethany, you are on the right side, my friend, and brava. Can I insert a quick side note? Just yeah. because when you talked about Kylie's closet, it triggered me to think about the home edit. Have you seen that? Oh, you bet your sweet ass I have. I could not be more obsessed. We would get along with them so well. I just have oh to say. Oh my God, you literally are Clea. Except yes. for actually, Clea's like a little more savage than you. Yeah, I would agree have, with that. You have the same like sense of humor. Oh, yeah, sorry. actually, I kind of have the same sense. I'm kind of the Clea Loki. What the fuck? You can't just switch it like that. <laughs> I identify anyway. as her first. Whatever. Okay, you can have her. It's fine. Okay, whatever. We can do a poll. It's fine. We'll do some Photoshop work. But okay. I, I just could not be more obsessed with that show. I binged it all in one day. I loved how every episode it would be a celebrity client and then a normal everyday client that just happened to be filthy rich to afford them. And yes. I think if or I if, sometimes I wondered if it was done for free like for that um school and stuff but the school gave me free vibes yeah for sure continue I just was so obsessed with it and I I've spent the last two weeks clearing out my childhood bedroom and also my brothers so Evan you're welcome and I just I could I am so well suited for this job and if they're hiring I would do that job so well it's a humble brag it's the most transparent (laughs) humble brag I've seen yet but I I would be amazing at that. I'm such a good organizer and I'm so OCD. I can, should we start a business? You have to move back though. What? Like move back to Portland and then we can start that business. I'm down. Like a home cleaning and organizing business? Yeah. Okay, I'm down. What would we charge? Like some money. <laughs> just kidding no I'm down though we would be amazing at it and it's always easier to do when it's someone else's crap 
you know, cleaning your own. There are some difficulties. I think it's hard. Like the one plot hole in the home edit is like, did you say plot hole? Plot hole (laughs) is how do they get rid of, but also plot hole if I'm trying to make a pun, but it's like, how do they like get rid of things without the help of the people like they just send the people away I don't know like that part was a little suspicious but I'll I'm willing to overlook it for the greater grand scheme for the greater good of humanity yeah I thought it was interesting they obviously have a team of assistants and I like how all of their titles are just assistant that cracked me up but I have to you have to wonder if there's some drama between the assistants because there are definitely some favorites some of them got zero screen time. Although I looked on, I found the Redhead's Instagram and she doesn't have like any followers. It's a public account, but she only has like 700 followers. And I was like, justice for her. She's working her ass off and she got a lot of screen time, but I can't remember yeah. her name. So maybe that's why. Oh, fuck. I think it's like a boy girl name. It was really cute. Anyway, no, no, no. It's, we're not Googling it. We have, we have to move on. Model and entrepreneur Chrissy Teigen revealed that she suffered a pregnancy loss in a heartbreaking Instagram post Wednesday night, um, accompanied with several photos that she had taken in the hospital. The 34-year-old mother of two who was expecting a boy she called Jack had been hospitalized in LA over the weekend and received blood transfusions after experiencing bleeding during the past month of her pregnancy. We are shocked and in the kind of deep pain you only hear about, the kind of pain we've never felt before. We were never able to stop the bleeding and give our baby the fluids he needed, despite bags and bags of transfusions. It just wasn't enough. We never decided on our baby's names until the last possible moment, but for some reason we had started to call this little guy my belly jack. Obviously really sad. Everybody, I mean, the overwhelming vast majority of anybody who matters And anybody, you know, that even we know in our personal lives just felt so sad for Chrissy. Like, it literally felt like knowing somebody personally because she was so open, like, throughout her journey. She was only about halfway through her pregnancy, but she was posting baby bump photos. Like, you know, she just always shown her life in a way that's, like, pretty unprecedented for someone at her level of fame. Like, she's pretty much, like, Kardashian level of fame, but she gets a lot more criticism and pushback from everybody because of that exact reason that she's so open and I mean the people that are on the wrong side in this are the people that are fucking criticizing her for telling her story like sharing what she wants to share I mean I think I can maybe understand if this like hearing about her miscarriage is triggering for like either moms who aren't able to have children or moms who have experienced a miscarriage themselves. And, but I'm hopeful that most people are just grateful that she is so open and normalizes something that is so common for women um, and so difficult to talk about, I would imagine. So I fucking respect the hell out of her for even sharing as quickly as she did. And Oh God, I just cannot imagine that like getting all of that negative criticism while you're also grieving the loss of a child, like fuck all those people, just fuck them all. And like her whole comment feed was mostly positive, but there were so many people that are like, I don't even want to repeat the things they were saying. It was just horrible. And I just felt so bad for her. I mean, she definitely could have turned off the comments and you know, part of me thinks maybe she should have done that. But the other part of me is like, no, she can do whatever she wants. It's horrible that there's people out there that make the comment section a bad place that should make her need to turn it off in the first place. But I think I saw something, a really good tweet on Twitter, a really good tweet on Twitter. 
Jesus. Um, that basically just said, you know, it's not regardless of who we're talking about, Chrissy Teigen or just a friend or family member, how people grieve is so different. Some people do like to grieve very publicly and other people like to do it privately. So don't, it's not anybody's place to try to come for her if grieving publicly is what she wanted to do. And like you said, Audrey, she had been very public about her entire pregnancy and her journey and how it was going this far. And Two days before she posted about the miscarriage, she posted, hello from hospital, about to have my second blood transfusion, which truly, truly, truly sounds more dramatic than it is. It's an IV, but instead of fluids, the blood of some kind human being out there. Baby and I are completely fine, just missing little things like walking, cooking, playing with other butt buds, blah, blah, blah. And so, I mean, that must have been devastating for her, you know, because two days prior, she had said, there were headlines that were coming out like, oh, Chrissy Teigen's in the hospital. I wonder if everything's okay. So she posted that, updating people that it was. And so obviously when things turned, she had the courage to post about it. And I, I cannot imagine seeing that news and then being upset about it or feeling so angry that you have to comment on it. I feel like her leaving the comments on was a total intentional choice. Oh, maybe not, but Regardless, it is an example of the way that women are treated in society. And like, she was not pinning those negative comments at the top. And the the comments were at the top because of the algorithm, because people were liking on them. Likely because a lot of people were responding to shitty comments being like, you're trash. But regardless, like when you scroll through that post of hers, it's not hard to find shitty ass comments that you know she probably had to, you know, sort through herself and like deal with and just fucking feel, which just sucks. And those assholes are on the wrong side. So in conclusion, our hearts are out to Chrissy Teigen and, you know, I'm sure she's listening to this and she's just so grateful for her our support but truly I fucking love her and I fucking hate everybody that's a trash yeah I've never been one to comment on celebrities posts I don't think I've ever left a single comment but I think it's time that I start because these trolls must be stopped they must be tamed and they must be reported most importantly true you can do a lot by reporting like it goes a long way All right. Well, I don't have any plans for the rest of the night, so that's just what I'll have to do. God, now I'm sad. I know. I just love her. I know. And I just feel so bad because the announcement was so cute, like, they in in John's music video for Wild, and that just breaks my heart. That seems, like, incredibly... I mean, I know it's public because she announced it, but also it's public because she was... She had already announced that she was pregnant, so like one way or another like it would have you know the, the dots would have been connected so like either way she was going to suffer a public miscarriage which is horrible and I just I can't really think of that like having happened to anyone in recent years I mean that I know of so that's tough yeah I feel for them so much and I can't even imagine having to try to explain that to your kids what happened mm-hmm. because there's no easy way to do that yeah Sorry, we're just getting really depressing now, but no, we can we can shift gears, but actually like I don't really have anything else to talk about to you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully next week's episode will be in person. And so maybe we can even do some Instagram content. I don't know. Get excited. Wow, wait, that would be crazy. Also, Bachelor is starting the week after next. So 
be prepared for a lot more bachelor related content, which honestly might be a saving grace because I'm like really feeling like it's been like the, the true controversies are, are quite far and few between and few and far between. And Bachelor is what we need, I think, to bring some of that energy back into our lives. It's something that I've been missing, missing personally. So I am truly looking forward to the Bachelor times. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly yet we'll be sharing with our audience how we're going to be covering Bachelor, whether it's just kind of included on our weekly recap or if there's other types of content you want to see, just let us know. But we do have a couple exciting things in store. Some ideas in the works. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Wrong Side. We cannot thank you enough for tuning in. And with that, I bid you adieu. Bye, guys. Bye.